Connecticut child care workers are calling on Governor Lamont to fund their industry. They held a morning without child care today to demand more money for child care centers, which they say are understaffed and underfunded. Magdalia Rockwell is a child care provider in Hamden. I love the center I work in and the amazing colleagues that I get to see every day. However, when I think about how I'm going to be able to save for retirement and survive while still working in this field, I honestly don't see it working. And it's daunting. Providers say Lamont's recent budget proposal, which included tax credits for businesses that offer daycare support and almost $70 million in funding for the state's largest child care program, is insufficient. You're listening to After All Things, WSHU's daily news update from the Connecticut, New York region. Advocates want more money for New York's farm safety program. A first-in-the-nation police training involved Connecticut residents getting drunk and high for a day. And climate change is fueling an interest in protecting the local water supply. Those stories and more are coming up. I'm Sabrina Garone. Farm Bureau wants Governor Hochul and the state legislature to double the amount of money directed to a nationally recognized farm safety program that relies on state funding. Karen DeWitt explains. The New York Center for Agricultural Medicine and Health, known as NICAM, was authorized by the state in 1988 to help reduce what was then the high rates of workplace death, serious injury, and illnesses among New York's agricultural workers. NICAM relies on a combination of state and private funding sources to provide in-person programs, including training for working safely with farm machinery and large herds of animals, using chemical products, and treating and preventing jobs job-related injuries. Erica Scott, the deputy director of NICAM, says they would like to see the funding doubled to $2 million in the new state budget. She says the organization and its dedicated staff are getting overwhelmed by the lack of resources. For them to have to say no to a farmer is is the worst feeling. Over the years, the organization has expanded to include even more programs, including bilingual trainings in Spanish and English and helping farmers with the emerging hemp and cannabis industries. But for the past 14 years, funding from the state has remained flat. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. 18 Connecticut residents recently spent the day consuming alcohol and cannabis to train police. WSHU's Molly Ingram reports it was among the first police training programs in the country to include people under the influence of both substances. The day lasted eight hours. Participants using cannabis smoked or vaped twice and participants drinking alcohol were given drinks throughout the day. Eric Jackson is the executive director of the Connecticut Transportation Institute at the University of Connecticut. He says Connecticut has an impaired driving problem and officer training is needed to fix it. Along with alcohol impairment, our fatality numbers are increasing the number of people involved in fatal crashes that are under the influence of drugs. Connecticut is always one of the top three states in the country, um, or at least top five or ten states in the country for fatalities with drivers under the influence. The event was funded through a State Department of Transportation grant. Molly Ingram, WSHU News. 
Connecticut's largest business organization is advocating for more affordable housing to help grow the state's future workforce. Peter Myers is a public policy associate for the Connecticut Business and Industry Association. He says legislation being considered would amount to small changes that could add up to real savings for future homebuyers. So really helping incentivizing people to invest into Connecticut and make it a little cheaper to live here. Legislation would provide property tax abatements of $500 a year for five years for first-time homebuyers who use Connecticut Housing Financing Authority loans. Another bill would create a first-time homebuyer's savings account that results in tax deductions. Englanders want more accountability from bottled water company Poland Spring. More on a call for the protection of the local water supply after headlines and a message from our supporter. Support for After All Things comes from Hartford HealthCare. More COVID vaccine answers at hartfordhealthcare.org vaccine or 833-621-0600. Long Island is New York's largest market for and lead adopter of electric vehicles. According to a report from the Drive Electric Long Island Coalition, over 35,000 EVs were registered here in 2022. Long Island represents 28% of the state's EVs total, with numbers expected to increase this year. Connecticut Senate Republicans are concerned about what they say is an increase in commutations of prison sentences. According to figures from the State Board of Pardons and Paroles, last year, 44 people convicted of murder in the state had their sentences commuted. Senators joined together with victims and families to ask the governor for a suspension of commutations until the figures are examined. A bill in New York would increase the speed limit on certain roads to 70 miles an hour. Supporters of the bill say increasing the speed limit would appropriately adjust to how more people are now comfortable driving at higher speeds on highways. 43 other states in the country already have a speed limit of 65 or higher. In the small town of Denmark, Maine, near the New Hampshire border, some residents are calling for more accountability from Stamford, Connecticut-based bottled water giant Poland Spring. The company extracts water from land it owns in Denmark and then sells it to consumers. The town isn't compensated for what gets withdrawn. And as Susan Sharon reports, climate change is fueling an interest in protecting the local water supply. Last November, on the north end of Long Pond, Jim Metevier stood on his backyard dock and explained how water levels on his property have gradually receded. At first, he said the dock needed two platforms to access the pond from the shore. And then, probably about seven years ago, I had one, two, three, four, five, five sections, plus there's a floating one at the end that you can see that's all still in the mud. Metivier's family has had a home here for 30 years. As ponds go, this one is small, about four miles long and 19 feet deep. In the spring, he says the water is high enough to launch his canoe from the dock. But for the past two summers and into the fall, the dock has literally been stuck in the mud. I haven't been able to get my canoe out since July. While Poland Spring does not withdraw water from the pond, a state permit for, quote, 
large-scale pumping or extraction of groundwater, spring water, and water from aquifers was first approved in Denmark in 2005. The company is allowed to withdraw up to 432,000 gallons of water per day and no more than 105.1 million gallons in any 365-day period. It's piped to a loading dock and trucked to bottling plants about 30 miles away. All of it is extracted from two boreholes near Long Pond. One is less than half a mile from Michael Fitzgibbon's vacation home. When the property was purchased, I think the conception was that having Poland Springs as a neighbor was going to be a good thing. Last summer, Fitzgibbon says his backyard was better suited for a golf course than it was for launching a boat, and his feelings about his corporate neighbor have changed. My water receded 15 feet, and if we're going to basically give that prized commodity away, we better do it knowingly and it should be controlled by the state. Uh, we're not causing the pond to be low. It's naturally low. Mark Dubois is the natural resource manager for Poland Spring, whose parent company is Connecticut-based Blue Triton Brands, formerly known as Nestle Waters North America. He says the pond recharges naturally at certain times of the year. When it rains, the pond will fill up. When it doesn't rain, the pond does get low. Uh, but it's not involved with our operation. So it's not spring-fed? Not that I'm aware of. Nope. But a 1952 study by the U.S. Geological Survey describes Long Pond as a small, spring-fed trout pond. John Mullaney, a hydrologist with the USGS New England Water Science Center, says that's the same as being groundwater-fed, which means it likely has some connection to the aquifer. And while he hasn't studied the pond, Mullaney says if that's the case, pumping operations could affect water levels along with drought and other factors. You know, some of the types of changes can be rather subtle from pumping. So when groundwater is extracted from somewhere, it's taken out of storage and moved somewhere else. You know, there is ultimately going to be less water coming out somewhere. And that's the question is always where and to what degree is allowable. Surface water, springs, and more than two dozen wells are regularly monitored in Denmark. The data are reviewed by an outside expert, by the main Department of Environmental Protection, and by a geologist hired by the town of Denmark. They're also shared on the town's website. Uh, we can ensure that we have no adverse impact on area water supplies. Uh, but also we can see that things are pretty stable here in, in Denmark. Some residents are skeptical. Given what's happening in the western U.S., they say more regulation is needed. They also question the independence of the town geologist, whose costs of services are reimbursed by Poland Spring, and whose predecessor was recently hired by an engineering firm that works closely with the company. It, it's hard for us not to feel sometimes like there is indeed a conflict of interest. Local planning board member Laurie LaMountain also serves on a committee that is reviewing the town's water extraction ordinance. During an October workshop on the aquifer, she questioned the current geologist, Brian Bachman, about his allegiance to the town of Denmark. Bachman said his professional code of ethics makes that clear. We're obligated to, to represent the best interests of our client. And the client being? In this instance, it would be the town. This is the well. How often do you look at it? Every time it rains. After the rain, we take a picture to see what the levels are. 
Not far from Long Pond, Chris Doyle of Denmark has a small house and a shallow well that was dug two years ago. It's just outside what's known as the zone of influence, the area of groundwater affected by pumping. So it's not one of the wells that's monitored. But Doyle says at certain times of the year, it runs dry. This spring, we, it was full. And then we realized it wasn't coming back after a week or so. So we stopped using it completely. Doyle can tell how much Poland Spring is pumping by looking at the town's website. She's convinced that her water level drops when extraction rates increase. But the company stands by its data that show groundwater levels are adequate. Town geologist Brian Bachman said at his workshop that it would be helpful to have more information. For me to help you make decisions about what, what you guys need to do, it's, that's, what I, that's what I deal in. I love information, so the more information, the better from my perspective. The town's ordinance includes action and alert levels. If water drops to a certain point in Poland Springs monitoring wells, pumping can be reduced or even halted. But LaMountain says that hasn't happened in more than a decade, not since the town select board agreed to relax the threshold at the company's request. That's why she and others are hopeful that the Water Ordinance Review Committee can strengthen protections in the coming months. We're living in a changing climate. And it's just um, a lot of water to be taking from this aquifer. The final decision will be up to the town select board. Mark Dubois says he hopes what emerges will be based on science. Denmark residents, meanwhile, say they're just looking for some reassurance and some more control. For the New England News Collaborative, I'm Susan Sharon. This story was shared by the New England News Collaborative of our connected and rapidly changing region. For the latest news from Long Island and Connecticut, you can listen on the radio or anytime online at WSHU.org or with the WSHU app. After All Things is supported by Hartford HealthCare. And just like everything else you hear on WSHU, this podcast is also made possible with support from listeners like you. So as always, thanks for listening and for sharing this podcast with your friends. I'm Sabrina Garone. Have a great rest of your evening. I'll talk to you tomorrow.